Welcome to A Rock and a Hard Place, the podcast that explores why minerals matter, their importance to society, and the role they will play in the low-carbon future. I'm your host, Thomas Hale, a graduate student exploring the mineral security nexus at the University of Delaware in the Minerals, Materials, and Society program. Join me as I speak with leading experts in the field of critical minerals to discuss some of the most pressing challenges facing society and learn more about their experience working in this emerging space. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Rock and a Hard Place. I'm your host, Thomas Hale. This week, I'm joined by a dear friend, Libby Pritchard. Libby is the Occupational Health, Safety, and Sustainability Director for the National Stone, Sand, and Gravel Association, where she works on safety, sustainability, community relations, and workforce development issues. Libby has 10 years of experience in the mining industry and previously worked for the Wildish, Sand, and Gravel in Eugene, Oregon, where she led environmental safety and land use efforts. Prior to working in the aggregates industry, she completed two master's degree at Oregon State University, where she focused on the reclamation of aggregate pits and conflict management. Libby also owns a small business doing mediation, facilitation, and communication coaching. I've gotten to know Libby over the last year through our work in Virginia on aggregates outreach and community engagement strategies. So thanks, Libby, for coming on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation, Thomas. So I always want to start off by asking my guests about their current position and their journey, which got them involved in the field of aggregates, or in this case, just the broader extractive industry. So tell me a little bit more about that journey into mining and aggregates and your current role at NSSGA. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Thomas. And you know, my journey into mining and in aggregates was really happenstance. A lot of folks in this field say, oh, my mom did it, my dad did it, you know, it's a family business. This is not a family business for me, which is really kind of fun because it's very unique and different. I got into aggregates actually through graduate school. All of my education is environmentally based. When I came to graduate school at Oregon State, I wanted to do two masters because I loved science and that's really where my heart was. But my brain understood that policy is incredibly important and having a good grounded understanding of policy is really essential for the type of work that I wanted to do. So I found an advisor who went, oh, you're kind of crazy. I like crazy. And so I worked with Dr. Todd Jarvis at Oregon State and did both of my master's with Todd. And when I was trying to figure out my first project for graduate school for my thesis, he had a project in mind where you would use a old aggregate pit where the materials had been extracted and you pump in treated heated wastewater and then use gravity basically to pull that water down through the subsurface, which would naturally wick away the moisture and cool that water down. That's really important in Oregon where I went to school because we have salmon species that are incredibly temperature sensitive. And so finding good sustainable ways to reduce energy to cool wastewater is really important. Unfortunately, that project kind of went sideways, but long story short, by the time that that project did go sideways, I had learned all about aggregates. I now had an understanding of what they were and how important they are in our society. And it just blew my mind that we had this resource out there that is absolutely essential, literally the building block of our society, and no one ever talked about it. And so I was just hooked. Ultimately, what ended up happening is I fell in love with aggregates and especially with reclamation. And so the idea of being able to, as I like to joke, kind of have your aggregates and eat it too, where you can extract the mineral and then use it, but then also return that land back to a secondary beneficial use. It's kind of like upcycling. 
And I really loved the idea of enhancement reclamation. How can we take the land and turn it back into something that is really beneficial for society? It's everything from turning it back into agricultural land or letting it fill in and becomes beautiful lakefront property, or it can become wetlands or sometimes filled in. And then there's different things that are built on top of it. There's so many ways that aggregate pits have been and can be reclaimed. And so I was just so in love with this. And I, 10 years later, here I am making a career in aggregates. So anyway, after graduate school, I went to work for a small family-owned and operated mine in Eugene, Oregon, Wilder Sand and Gravel. I did EHS, environmental health and safety work, and I absolutely loved it. And at that time, I also started writing some articles for NSSGA, where I now currently work. Flash forward a number of years, I'm moving to DC, call up NSSGA and say, hey, do you guys have a job? And they went, hey, no. (laughs) So I actually waited about a year and worked for a National Science Foundation. And then someone at NSSGA I had known for a number of years at that point called and said, hey, we've got a job for you. Do you have any safety experience? Because we'd love to have you interview for this safety director position. And so here I am at NSSGA and been here for about three years. Nice. So for those that are not necessarily familiar with the National Stone, Sand, and Gravel Association, tell us a little bit more about the organization the mission that it has, and maybe some of the groups that it comprises across the United States. Yep, absolutely. So NSSGA, we're the National Stone, Sand, and Gravel Association. We're the primary federal trade association representing aggregates and the manufacturing and services providers that support the industry. We always say advocacy is number one. That is our number one job at NSSGA. So of course, we are in front of Congress, and we also work with our federal regulatory agencies. And so that's really the kind of lifeblood of what we do at NSSGA is advocacy. We do a lot of work with our members, helping them improve in different ways, helping them network, helping them you know, work on different safety programs or ways to be more sustainable in their operations. And so our members comprise of aggregate producers And like I said, the manufacturing and servicing members. And so those are the folks who work on creating the machinery or things like conveyor belts, the haul trucks, anything that goes to support the industry overall. Those folks are members of NSSGA. And we do have members across all 50 states. So it is truly nationwide. Yeah, I like how diverse it is, especially with all the different groups that are coming into this, because when we started doing work in Virginia with Virginia Transportation Construction Alliance, I just thought it would be quarries. <laughs> and then you start adding in all these different things where it's not just the extraction, but it's the transport, it's the development, it's all these different groups that come together for that holistic picture. And I do think it's really important to have a group like that. And I will say kudos to NSSGA because you came out to a state association here in Virginia and got to know what we were doing in our state. So to see your national group take the time to go to your local state associations and to kind of be involved at the local scale, that's really nice to see that you're getting involved in that community relations. So we really definitely appreciate that work here in Virginia. One of the reasons that I wanted to pull you in on this podcast is because we normally have a lot of conversations about the role of aggregates in society And in many times, they're often underreported importance when we think about development and infrastructure. You know, many of these processing facilities that we hear about in the news for critical minerals 
are going to require aggregate material and construction materials. Electric vehicles are not going to be driving on air. They're going to have to drive on roadways. These smart cities of tomorrow that we often hear about are still going to be developed using aggregates. And so one of the things that I see, though, is that there is this still the challenge of NIMBY or not in my backyard, especially still with aggregates, because aggregates are increasing in demand just as critical materials are because they go hand in hand. So my question to you is, what is the historical role that aggregates has normally played around education in this space? And do you believe there is an important role for aggregate producers to help pave the way, literally, for new critical mineral development through public education and outreach because you are such a local business and industry? Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, kudos for the pun. It's one of the best things about this industry is we have puns everywhere, left, right, and center. You have to be very gritty to do this work. Like you said, we paved the way for many things and we're foundational. So I'll stop there, but I might sprinkle a few more in. Seriously, getting to your question, overall, our industry does a pretty good job in terms of education in some things, and there's a lot of room to grow in others. I think historically, the place that we've done a really good job is individual quarries that have relationships that do really good community relations and have good community engagement efforts. They will bring people to their facilities and they will do tours and they'll bring in not only school groups, which is fairly common, but they'll also bring in like what we went on a little while back with the Teachers Association. They came in and toured a quarry and did a hands-on workshop with the state association. I think that part our industry has done a pretty good job of historically of bringing kind of those smaller groups in to get people the hands-on experience so they can see where their rock comes from so they can get some awareness about hey when you're walking down your sidewalk or when you're driving down the road those roads come from somewhere they come from here in our backyard and so that part has been pretty good the part that's really kind of missing though and i see an opportunity in 2020s and beyond now, especially in the age of social media, is trying to get the word out more broadly and not just have it be on kind of this isolated one tour at a time kind of procedure. So I think getting into schools all the way from the elementary level to the adult education level and everything in between, I think is really essential. And I, I say this all the time that it drives me a little crazy that every kid knows, hey, my paper comes from trees but we don't know that my sidewalk comes from rocks. Both things are just as important and just as essential in our day-to-day lives, but there really is that lack of awareness when it comes to aggregates and rocks. And that's on us as an industry, I think, to tell our story and to be out in front and try and kind of come into the world and say, hey, here's who we are. This is what we do. And we're proud to be part of this community and we're proud of what we do. We haven't been as great about that in the past because we haven't faced as much NIMBY and pressures as I think we face today and going forward. So really separating ourselves and telling our own story and getting out in front of some of these things is really essential for our industry. You bring up a really good point about the localization of those efforts and now the need to do it more broadly because there is such this huge discussion now about materials and why they're important. But at the end of the day, there is no connective tissue to actually show people why they're important or actually connected back to the mind. I think everyone after COVID-19, whether or not they can explain it in a lot of detail, they know what the supply chain is or they have an understanding of my materials come from somewhere, my products come from somewhere else, 
and they're shipped to me. And in that process, it can be mixed up. And then if you go way far back, they have to be mined, right? If you can't grow it, you have to mine. If you can't mine it, you have to grow it. And at that very beginning process, that's at jeopardy. It's slowing down things because you can't maybe open up a new site. But no, I think that's really well said. So are there any initiatives that maybe you'd like to talk about at NSSGA related to kind of supporting or trying to make this more broad? As you mentioned, we've done stuff here in Virginia with you and you've come down and with Rock and PD events that we've done with teachers and Cory tours, which is fantastic. But maybe talk about some work or interest that NSSGA has about nationalizing this kind of outreach in this space. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things specifically I'll I'll call out, especially we've done a lot of work in the last 11 months, really, in kind of the workforce development space. And one of the big things we realized when we wanted to work on workforce development, because like so many industries, we're also experiencing a lot of challenges, was that, hey, we need to do education. We can't just be looking at what are our short-term challenges that we're facing for workforce. How can we sustain this over the long run? And so much of that comes back to education and outreach. And so we spent a lot of time really working on how can we get the word out there? How can we play a good role in education? One of the things that we're doing is working off of some excellent work that has been done starting in Ohio with the Mac Tech program and it's Mac Tech, M-A-C-C Tech. So it's a mining, asphalt, construction, and concrete tech institute they are working to put together a curriculum and a program that can ultimately be nationalized. Now, the Mac Tech program has already been instituted at Butler Tech in Ohio. So they have one site that has gotten this program up and running, and it's really aimed at high school juniors and seniors to give them what I'll call a really in-depth Industry 101. It's over 300 hours worth of training and education across all of those different industry sectors. So it's not just aggregates, but it really does touch kind of that whole supply chain and aggregates, of course, are included. And so our group has been doing a great job of pulling together good resources, materials to take that program and expand it beyond just Ohio. And ultimately, the goal is really to get that across all 50 states. So trying to get that that Mac Tech program up and running. So folks who are interested in the industry or you know kind of looking for something to do that or may not be you know, a four-year degree, they can have that as a good option. One of the other things that we're working on is really trying to get involved at the K-12 level. And we're trying to create resources, create programs, PowerPoints, especially hands-on activities is a really big one, and bring those to teachers so they have them just ready-to-go units that they can kind of plug and play into their programs. But we also don't want to come at this and just automatically handed to teachers. We're working with them on the front end to understand their needs, wants, what does this look like? So we can try and get some more education started just around aggregates and the role that they play in our everyday lives, starting at that kindergarten level. So kids do start to know my sidewalk comes from rocks. Both of those are really great initiatives. And again, it's making this more of a broader thing. And I've seen a lot of great work come out of Ohio, just from our community specifically, which was the mineral community. There's been some interesting engagements. I know there is a quarry up there that they said, okay, you can do a field trip to this quarry, but in return, you need to teach public geology classes for us as kind of that local thing. So that relationship and that kind of symbiotic goal there that you can both have from a public side and from the company side. I think it's really interesting to explore that as we start trying to increase that awareness. 
So that wraps up part one of my conversation with Libby. Join us in part two as we discuss the role of industry associations in the extractive sector, how aggregate outreach has evolved over time, and finally, why materials are so essential to our everyday life. Thank you for joining us on another episode of A Rock and a Hard Place. Be sure to follow me on LinkedIn and check out our website, Mineral Choices, for more content. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast or contribute to our website, then please reach out. We love hearing from you, so do get in touch. And until next time, keep on rocking.